I'm Taylor Onion, and this is the Bloom Pod. Today's guest is Harvey Harrington. Harvey is currently a youth motivational and leadership speaker. As a former professional football player and coach and fitness instructor, he points to his football and coaching experiences as the things that led him to his current endeavors. Episode 15, coming at you. Enjoy. Harvey, you are a youth motivational speaker. You're, you're a leadership speaker, and there's so much more to Harvey Harrington than probably I'm even aware of. I think I've known of you. I don't know that we've ever met in person, but I've known of you. Oh, we haven't. Yeah, for at least uh, at least 10 years or so now. I know you trained my yeah. best friend uh, who was a pole vaulter in high school, and, and my mom used to come to your workouts in Macomb as well. But uh, let's, let's kind of kick this thing off by having you just share a little bit about you know, your experiences. Oh, where do I start? Uh, I'll just start from uh, coaching. I started coaching in uh, high school. I coached high school football for 18 years, I believe. Uh, while I was doing that, I was still playing professional football. So coaching and professional football at the same time of doing that, I opened up a fitness facility. And uh, I always make this little joke, but I own the gym. People come into my gym to work out and they come to tan. I'll open a tanning salon in there at the same time. So I was like, yeah, it's a brother behind the counter. Come on in. <laughs> you know? so, uh, so I did that, coached uh, for a long time. That's what I thought I was going to do for the rest of my life. Uh, and, and just started, one thing led to another, to the speaking. I always said I started speaking when I first started coaching and that was back in 98, uh, my first ever speaking engagement as a coach and it, and it, and it groomed me to a point that it just became an overwhelming feeling that I needed to leave sports and leave the fitness industry and start doing this because I fell in love with adding value to, to people, not just young men because it started with uh, football, but, when I opened up the gym, everybody came, you know, you said pole vaulter. I've trained Miss Illinois to, to Miss Illinois. I got to the point where I had kids coming from three or four hours away to have me train them. So it's what I did. It's what I was known for where we come from. If you want me to share a little bit about my life, uh, I grew up in the South suburbs of Chicago, lived there through high school from high school. I went to community college community college to Western Illinois, got my degree in Western Illinois. It's uh, it's called corporate fitness today at the time. No, it's called kinesiology today at the time it was called corporate fitness. So I got my degree in that. So that's what I went into is the fitness industry. I have a beautiful wife and four amazing children. Right now, as we speak, we are in, the, we are in day nine of 14 day quarantine. Unfortunately, my wife, um, had a meeting with someone that her husband passed away last this past Friday. And my wife was in a one hour meeting in a room and clothes about this size with the lady for an hour. So Gosh. my wife is in, in lockdown in our room right now. So I was just officially had the test yesterday. So we'll see, <clears throat> excuse me, but that's been my life. Um, as a person that adds value, I grew up as a, little shy submissive kid I actually put my contacts in for this versus having my glasses on but I always tell people you know even at my age now I'm six foot three still 290 pounds but inside of this big man is this little bitty 
low self-esteem kid that uh, when I go and speak or when I talk to people, that's who I talk to, you know, to add value to that kid to say, here are some things that can help you become a better person that you want to be. So in a big nutshell, that's, that's kind of who I am. Absolutely. So, and you mentioned when you were still playing professional football is when you started coaching and then, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then also uh, opened the fitness center during that time as well, while you were playing and coaching. And had a, I left out my marketing company. I have a a marketing company. Uh, What else did we do? I owned a energy drink company for quite a few years. I, I have the entrepreneurial spirit. I'm not, I'm not a person that likes to be employed by anyone. I love to go out and earn my own. So um, I did a lot of different little things, but I stayed in that circle of, of sports for a very long time up until I haven't, I haven't been involved since I moved from Macomb. So it'll be seven years this November since I've actually, I've worked with people. I've had people come here and have me train them where we live now but I, I, I kind of have refused to get involved with our local sports because it it could overwhelm me. Right. It'll suck you right back yeah. in there. Oh, yeah. I'm, oh, yeah. I'm yeah. trying to figure out when you would have had time to sleep doing all of this. I did. <laughs> I, I, I Honestly, I didn't. Uh, what else did I do? I used to sleep about two or three hours a night. Gosh. And I got sick because of it, too, though. So it's it's not a good thing to do that. Right. But I, I did. And I used to have this motto, I'll I'll sleep when I'm dead and that's not a good model to have. you can have it in your 20s and 30s but you shouldn't carry it much farther than that right absolutely yeah absolutely so the let's see now there's um obviously a, a point here where you started to pick up on the youth motivational speaking now was that at, at what point did that start to come into play uh well I when we moved up here I took a job uh as a director for YMCA up where we live. And I worked there for nine months and it just didn't pan out for me. I didn't, uh, I, I didn't enjoy it. Things didn't go well. It didn't, nothing of it felt right. So my wife and I, we prayed hard on it. And we said, we did move up here for you to be working seven hours a, or seven days a week, all of these hours. You, that's not why we picked up our family and moved. So I, we, we left our, I left that job. And I said, I got to do this. I jumped off the cliff and I said, I got the tools. I'll build my wings on the way down. And that's what I've been doing ever since. Uh, Because I would have allowed managing that fitness facility to get in the way of the the kids that I've helped since then. That the letters and stuff that I received, the thank yous, the just knowing that I made a difference, that would have gotten in the way of this. So I had to take that leap. And before then, I'd been... Sometimes you don't know what you don't know until you think back about it. I've been grooming myself. I I was listening to tons of motivational speakers. I was finding this. I was finding my lane. What what my message was? How did I want to sound? Uh, what you know? Just I was finding me, and I and I still do. You you still have to work on that. But uh, I was looking for that in the process. So every day I'm I was just consuming and taking notes you, you think about a musician i always think about like rappers if you watch the eight mile they got all of these little notes and paper and stuff written all over the place that's my life mine is in my phone color notes you know i i've got ten thousand little notes and sayings and stuff that i can go and recall so i started building that in the process and then i just i just went for it 
you know, and that's a message I tell people. You only live once, you know, you can't be afraid. Has it been easy? No, not by any means raising a young family, but it's been worth it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think we hear a lot of times about, you know, people who have this kind of entrepreneurial spirit and they're afraid to either press play or jump right into it because it's like, well, you know, I have an idea, but somebody else might have already thought of it or I really don't have the time or whatever it may be. And I think there have been, I've had several guests on here who have said, you know, you definitely have the time, but you have to be disciplined enough to go ahead and, and make it work or you have to be brave enough to make that jump or whatever it may be. So that's definitely. Yep. Most people are afraid. I, I get it. I understand it. I, uh, I was just talking to someone else. There was a guy came over, we're, get, we're getting a window put in our basement. And he, instead of him coming over to do the work for me, he had watched some of my stuff. And he was like, he came over one night late. I was like, are you really here to work on my basement? He's like, no, man, I want to talk. <laughs> you know? So we sat in my garage for like three hours talking that evening. And I couldn't convince him that he thinks differently than the norm. Even like you, you know, there seems to be a million podcasts out there. But if you think about it, if there's a million podcasts out there, there's 700, there's 7 billion people on the planet. So that makes you different. And you, some people don't want to accept that they're different. Oh, everybody else can do what I do. No, you can't say that. It's like when I would play professional sport, when I was playing uh, professional football, sometimes you'd go somewhere and someone would be like, you know, I really want to do what you do. I, I, you know, I've been thinking about working out a little bit and it was the most offensive thing that someone could say to a professional athlete. You really think you can do what I do by talking about it. You know, it, it's, it's not that simple. My friend, the commitments, the, the, the doing the things that people won't do doing this, what people don't want to do that makes us different. And uh, that that's, that's kind of my message for people as well. You, you gotta be, you got to wire yourself to do this. And I kept trying to tell this guy, he's like, no, everybody can do what I do. I was like, no, they can't. They can't. After him sharing a story with me, I was like, they can't. And stop saying that you're special. Accept that. Don't be cocky about it. Don't be arrogant about it, but accept that and understand you're wired differently. So, you know, they, I don't know how I, how I got on that tangent, but uh, that's, that's a big one for people is uh, people are afraid to do the extra, to do the more. Yep. They think they need eight hours of sleep mentality. Right. Yeah. Got to gotta go on two or three until you get sick and then go out. <laughs> <go up> right. <laughs> no, but I think the, uh, I think the imposter syndrome, you know, is kind of the, the quote unquote, what you might call something like that, where, where people are thinking, oh, everybody else thinks how I do, or somebody else already has a podcast where they're doing this and, you know, or, or somebody's, already do already speaking on the topics that I want to speak on or whatever it may be but there's nobody in the world that thinks about things in the way that you do it so while for me nobody can tell your story the way you tell it yeah Yeah. that's that's been a lesson I think that I've learned through um my career in general but also through my PhD work where it's been you know if we're having a conversation in class and I might say something and someone's like oh I never thought about it that way and the first few times that happened, I'm like, really? You didn't think about it that way? <laughs> and so then it's like, okay, I can, you know, I can add value in this space and I can bring a, a new perspective forward. But I think that that imposter, getting past that, you know, imposter yeah. syndrome is definitely a, a tough space. Absolutely. Yep. 
Yeah, no, it's um, it's a great thing to be, what's the right word, self-motivated, learn to inspire. Um, I'll share one thing with you. I had my shoulder repaired from football injuries December 31st of this past year. On January 3rd, I went to the bathroom and started passing blood. And I didn't know what was going on. Well, a few weeks later, I found out that I had kidney cancer. I just had a kidney removed. Gosh. Now, eight, two months, about two and a half, May 7th, I had a kidney removed. So two and a half months of this, ago. Yeah, this year? Uh, yeah, wow. yeah. So, uh, but through my faith, and I won't talk about that on here. I don't know what your faith, what your, what your faith is, but through my faith, and through my training up here, I smoked through it. You know, uh, it's just, I didn't even tell anybody until a week out. My family and I, we kept it quiet. We told very few people uh, something, you know, something you learn when you're going through things. Be careful who you're around so <laughs> you don't tell everybody. You're like, oh, no, you know, right. to, trying to make you feel good. But at the same time, think, oh, you're going to die. Right. You know? right. So, uh it's, I, I, I attribute that to my mental training of how I got my mind in the right place to handle this and to have a kidney removed and to go through it. You know, when I was, I, I spent 24 hours because this is doing COVID. So I spent 24 hours in the hospital. They, it moves that fast. I checked in at 11. I was on the table by 1230. I checked out the next day at 1130. Gosh. And it was all because I had it set up here. You know, I went home and I slept for a few days and got ready to rock and roll. And my doctor had to say, remember, dude, you just had major surgery. This wasn't a shoulder surgery right. or a knee surgery. You had, you had an organ removed. I had two kinds of cancer in it, you know, didn't know it's just awful. But, um, it's a, that, that's where that mindset comes. That's where I know, and I haven't even begun to share this. This is the first time, and honestly, this is probably the first time I'm sitting here talking about it like this publicly, uh, but this is something I will use. Everything I've, I feel like I've been through in my life, I haven't shared a lot, but everything I feel like I've been through in my life has been an opportunity for me to turn around and use it to help others, you know? where you've got to put your mind because one thing people don't get um there's a stat out there i'm sure that tells you how many people walk in the hospital kind of sick and stay because they get mentally sick and mentally sick makes you physically sick mm -hmm. if you're if, if i would have walked in that hospital being mentally sick i don't know how many days i would have stayed because it's supposed to stay there like four days right I wouldn't have, you know, I was out, I wanted out my room. The guy was in my room that I was with had been there a week. And I was like, no, no. I went to sleep that night thinking as soon as I can, I'm out of this place. And that's all mindset. If your mind ain't right, there's a lot of things that can go wrong in a person's life that you can't pull yourself back from. Right. So yeah, that's, um, I love going to one of my biggest things that I want to get to that I don't. I'm looking for corporate sponsors for this because the schools I want to get to, I can't because finances, they don't have the money. Um, but I, I mean, my family life. So we'll just share that with you of three, three siblings, me and my brother, my sister, I'm the oldest. My brother was just released from prison three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, 29 years in prison. Wow. Uh, 
So I come from that background. The things you see in Chicago, I come from that. My sister was in and out of jail. Uh, and I always say, and I was the oldest, and I used to always think, well, well, how me? Why me? How did I make it? What was the difference? Because I had it way worse. And I come up with a power of a dream. I had a dream to play football. That's my main message to young kids. If you don't know what the heck it is you want, you know you want a PhD, so you're going for it. Even when you're tired, even when it's kicking your butt, you know what you want. So it gives you a direction. You know, when you when you have a goal, my goal pulled me through growing up poor in a black community and Hispanic community and dealing with the police issues that you see talking about today and and seeing how life caught my brother, my sister and not having a dad and all of that and to still come out of it with my degree and playing professional football and being married once with kids with the same last names that look exactly the same and all those things that that's being missed in these broken communities. How do you get through it? You have to have a dream and your mindset's got to be right. You know, so uh, that's my main purpose. Do I want to speak to adults? Yeah, because there's more money involved in that. My heart, my heart is with the kids, but the adults is where the money is. So I, I, you know, I do stuff for teachers and stuff like that. I'm working on a program right now for some superintendents, but um, where we can make the biggest change is in the minds of our youth to plant enough seeds, to pull enough of them. And, and it's not even just, um, I try and tell people on my platform, people look at the news and they're, they, they see black poor communities and stuff like that. I was like, guys, you don't, you don't get it. I've been to some broke schools. I've been to schools out in the country where you tell, oh, farming community. No, it's not a farming community. It's a, a meth community. There's only a few farming kids in those schools today. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, there are so many kids out there hurting that need a message that's not getting it from home, that needs to get it from home. I know, I don't know you, but I know you, you know, I know your upbringing. I know my kids are going to be like you, but there's a lot of kids that aren't like you. There are a lot of kids that aren't like my kids. So that that's my driving force too. And I'll do whatever I can to go make a difference in that. So I know I'm kind of beating around the bush a little bit about, or going around in circles with, with this, but that, that's my main message is uh, to have a dream, to understand that there's more to it than just having a dream. We were just talking, I was talking to my buddy uh, today, and I was and I, honestly deep down, and I catch so much flack from this, I hope that there's no professional sports this year. I'm, I'm not praying for it, but if, it, if it, there isn't, I'm looking forward to there being no professional sports. Right. Why? Because there's a community of people that only think that that's their only way out. So if they don't have a kid that's an athlete, then they feel like they're screwed. Uh, there, there's, we, the, the, these professional athletes are false idols. We need to have idols that are doctors, that are, our, our teachers are our idols. See, I can go on. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think you made a, you know, the the point about having the power of a dream. I think that simplifies. That's that's the simplest way to put it, right? Is to if you can, if you have the ability to set goals for yourself and to be able to, uh, you know, to focus on the future in some capacity, then you know you're always charging forward towards something. So I think that's a really interesting mm-hmm. way to to put it. Um, your mention of of uh, the youth um, speaking and and you know being able to connect. And to impact at that level, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and 
this woman who I want to say that she had her law degree and she thought that she would start practicing law, of course, as people who get their law degrees do. Um, but following, following the completion of that degree, I think she had an opportunity to go in and maybe teach a class or she had to go teach a class to finish the degree. And as soon as she started teaching, she fell in love with that. Right. So goes through, goes through law school, gets the degree and then decides, you know what, actually I want to teach what I know of the law, of course. And, and that's turned into, at some point she made a transition. Um, she had been through, through AA. And so through kind of all of her combined experiences, then yeah. she goes back and now she's teaching middle school. And she's kind of doing these, um, you know, working with these special programs with kids who either come from backgrounds where, you know, drugs and alcohol are an issue or with kids who are struggling with addiction themselves. And it was so interesting to hear her say, because she talked about, you know, at this, you know, high school kids and college kids, you can, yes, absolutely, you can have an impact there. But with these kids who are in middle school, we are catching them at a point where, you know, they, they know a little bit about the world but they haven't fully sunken into the beliefs and the different things that are going on around them. Mm -hmm. So the ability to impact is just so much greater. And I think about that in terms of, of coaching as well. I always loved coaching kind of between 12 and, and 15 year old age groups, because those, yeah. you know, the 12s on the fun end, it's like, you're showing up to the gym and they don't really care what you do at practice. They're just excited to be around their teammates and, you know, in that setting. But as you get up to the 15s, then we're starting to kind of see this skill development and we're starting to see, okay, they haven't completely learned a bad habit, but they also haven't perfected what they're doing. And it's just this great sweet spot from, from an athletic standpoint to really get them to hone in on the correct, you know, skills and maneuvers and all that kind of, and the technical aspect of whatever game it is. Mm -hmm. But from a personal standpoint, I think it's the exact same thing, right? Where you have this great ability to, um, manipulate is not the right word, but it, but you have this great ability to, you know, impact and be able to talk to these kids in a way that opens up their mind, you know, to something else completely. My trainer in college always used to say, the more you know, the less you know. And I think that resonates here as well. It's like the more that we can, you know, enhance mindset and expose mm -hmm. what kids, whether it's, you know, middle school kids or high school kids or college kids, the more you can expose them to, the more they're going to be curious about and the more they're going to wonder right. about as well. So that's, that's super interesting. No, that's funny. I call that the land of in between my first, was it my first ever engagement? It was within my first three or four. So six years ago, five years ago, I go to this junior high middle school. Oh, it, it was K through set. It was K through eight. So I had them set them up. It was fourth, fifth, fourth, fifth, sixth on the other side of the gym, seventh and eighth graders. So I could walk around the gym. And so the fourth graders are, you know, goofy little kids. Hey, hey, hey. fifth graders are still smiling. Sixth graders, the smile was slightly starting to go away. You walk over to the seventh graders, they're starting to look a little different. And the eighth graders, they thought they were grown. Hey, I call seventh and eighth, seventh and eighth grade is the most poignant time of a child's life it's it's the fork in the road i just had my first one go through she's now well she's going to be a sophomore now but it's a fork in the road for a child and if you catch them before that fork you really make a huge difference because if they make the wrong choice and stay down that road too far boy your struggles is so hard so i i rarely ever speak to anyone less than 
uh, like fifth grade is my limit. I don't go any lower because I'm not funny. My, my message is pretty heartfelt and I get into it. So uh, I try to add some humor, but I'm not, I'm not a funny person. I'm fine with that. Uh, I, I like to be real with them. That's why when I coached, I could only coach varsity football because I had too much in me to share with already what I thought was too young of a mind to handle that knowledge. But uh, yeah, you have to catch them. We have to catch them before they get into high school. Once they get into high school, the influences are so strong. The decisions have been made. Can you change it? Absolutely you can, but that's where someone like me, I can't make a difference there. I can come in and give you a keynote. Like I hate doing keynotes. I, 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 let me rephrase that. I don't like just doing a keynote. When I come in and do a keynote and I share a heartfelt story with you, I just open the door to you to give you a story. And you're, you're, you're more apt to listen if I can get in a smaller setting and then teach you some things. But some schools like, oh, we just got a keynote. And, you know, you don't turn them down, but you're just like, there's so much more I can do because now you're, you got some kids that can relate to me. You got some kids that want to hear more and I'd love to be in the, and not a one-on-one -on -one setting, but a small group setting. So most of the schools that, that I go to have to make that deal with me. Keynote, I always tell schools, you got me, you've paid for, paid for this. I'm here for the day. What can I do? How can I help? Let's do everything I can. If it's two days here, work me that I need to stop and take a nap on my way home, you know? Um, so with that, but I want to hit another part too. the story you just told. I had no plan on coaching high school football. Zero. I wanted nothing to do with it. Uh, I, I had made a deal with my coach at Western that, that if I didn't go pro, I'd come back and coach there to get my degree. And but I went pro and I and I knew he stayed on me about getting my degree. I came to I needed one semester hour. One, he said, Harvey, do this. He said, go out and help the football team. I'll get you that hour. I went out to help the football team and found out I was 18 years later. I had no plans on doing that. Sometimes people don't listen to their calling. You know, I, I, I don't know. I know I, I wanted to own a business at that time, but uh, that's another big thing is we have to be listening. And my heart just felt weird <laughs> in that first year and I and I needed more of it I still I, 18 years goes by so fast when you're doing what you love it's crazy right that's another thing no one you're you're not working for a job you aren't in particular you you're working for a career right if we can teach children the difference there that oh, I always say, I always tell kids spell job J O B. I'll say it like three times. It's the coach of me J O B. I was like job stands for just over broke. You guys know that, right? <laughs> you you do know that job stands for most people go find a decent living and they work a job and they come home and they're miserable. Your teachers, your principals, your administrators, they have careers. What's the difference between a job and a career? A career is something that still can drive you crazy, still can wear you out, still can make you mad, but you wake up the next day and you want to go do it again. No one ever wakes up and really wants to go do their job again. They have to. If we can put that in kids' minds, you're not just in high school to have fun and get a job because this is what a job means to you. Go home and look at your parents. Think about it. Does your parents have a career or do they have a job?
So uh, now I'm giving you my keynote. <laughs> hey, that's all right. That's all right. We'll take it. <laughs> I think, uh, I mean, to that point, the job versus a career is right back to, you know, planning for the future, right? And creating, setting those goals out in front of you, figuring out what your purpose is and why are you, mm -hmm. you know, why are you driven toward X goal or why are you driven toward, you know, the career that you're pursuing? So I think that's super right. interesting. Super interesting. Yep. Uh, I want to ask, so I, I know you, it's a, you do a motivational talk, you do leadership, you cover, you know, several different topics, but what is your favorite one to speak on? Personalities. Okay. Uh, I, um, I do the simple one, the disc program. I, uh, I studied the heck out of it. I, someone gave me, I'm going to date myself here. When I was in college, I was headed home for uh, Christmas break and someone gave me a tape and I think it had been in my college, in my car for a year. I don't know. I'm on my way home to the Chicago area. And I put this dog on tape in. And this tape started talking to me. Dr. Robert Rome is the guy's name. And it started, it explained something to me about me. Of Like, it was answering that question. I said, how did I make it through all of this? Well, I wasn't, if you knew me as a kid, you wouldn't have put a penny on me becoming going to the NFL. You wouldn't have put a penny on me because I was this shy, little, soft, loving, overweight, little fat, chunky kid, you know, <laughs> just try, trying to get through school life. And um, my personality was changed in high school. A guy taught me about, taught me something about, he, he told me he was mean to me. I don't know today if he was being mean or if he was trying to help me, but he told me I wasn't good enough up here to make it. He told me I had the body, but I didn't have the mindset that, that I wasn't tough enough, that I was too soft. And I asked him to show me, and he's like, I don't know if I can teach it to you. And he, he grabs my jersey, and he starts yelling at me, and he's just, like, spitting in my face. He just kept saying, you know, you're, you don't have this. You're not tough enough. And I'm bawling at the time. You know, I'm just crying. And, and he stopped and he said, kids, you don't have that. And because of that, you, you probably won't even go to college to play football. Well, little did he know, it taught me something. So years later, I hear this tape. And it's talking about this dominant personality versus this as quiet, loving, care, caring kid. And I learned from that guy how to change to a dominant person on the field. But by nature, I'm me. This is me by nature. So I had to learn how to turn that dude on on every play. And by nature, he turned himself off. And as I'm listening to this, I'm like, it was my light bulb moment, you know. And I still at no point thought I was going to be teaching that. But I was like, holy cow. And that probably even helped me go into the NFL because I still was a loving kid. I played with violence that you play with football, but I still, it just, so when I decided to do this, I was like, I'm going to really study this because the kids need to know this. They need to know, like you, by your nature, I can't tell what your, what one of your personalities is, but because of your education, you're a C-type personality. You're cautious, calculating, competent. Uh, you, you ask a lot of questions. That's, that's who you have to be to do what you're doing. You're very structured. Uh, I, can, I can just write down a list of things that you are because of what you're doing. Now, sitting around you and just talking naturally, I could tell you what your second one is. I can't tell through this, but uh, from judging your mom... <laughs> Your mom's a CI, no, your mom's a CS, probably. She's, she's talkative, but only in her environment, only in her circle. So she's a C, 
cautious, calculating person, but she's also an S. She loves people. You can just tell. You can read it from her smile that she does. Um, so I, I love teaching that. I think if I can teach people that and teach a D personality, a dominant, demanding, bully type, get it down. If I can teach that person about themselves, I've helped them become a leader that they're supposed to be. Right. Not that we all can lead from whatever personality we are. Some of us just have a little harder road to travel, but I love teaching that. I love sharing the power of a dream because I can find other people's stories to share as well. But personalities, uh, I also do one where we ask questions. Most of us, I have no percentage numbers on this, but I'm gonna go off of what I, my experience, 92% of people never figure out what they're supposed to do in life. That sounds about right. Never. And the reason why they don't is no one ever dug deep enough. I ask my children every day, what are you supposed to do? What makes your heart beat? What have we done that you like? So I, I came up with, the, did some research and came up with a list of questions to sit with kids and have them go through these questions and, and tell them the answer may not be here today, but you just keep going through it because you have to do the career what you love. If you do what you love, you'll never go to work again in your life, ever, right. even when you're tired. So I, I teach those two things along with, uh, I'm studying empathic listening right now. Uh, I got a book that it took me over 10 years to decide to read, uh, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Chapter five, empathic listening, uh, a great one for educators, a great one for parents <laughs> uh, to be able to listen to your kids from their point of view, you know, so I, I love the teaching part of it. Yeah. I love telling the stories, but just to see the lights come on like it did with me with that tape. Right. Oh. I'm going to, I'm going to circle back on, on a couple of things there. So from a disc perspective, we actually use that a lot in what I do. And I'm going to, I'm going to blow your mind right now because I'm actually an ID. So my, my dominant is in the, the influencer space. And then I also have a little bit of the dominant personality in there as well. So you, you come across as an I, you're doing very well, not showing that on here. Maybe. Maybe the podcast is a part of right. your eye. Well, you know, in, I, in a virtual setting, I think it's difficult to to show all the personality, you know, but right. in a, it's funny because when you, in, in the spaces that I've been in, when we go through and do the assessment, right, you see the the dominant personality types are all together and they have a very nice and organized, you know, it's, this is what we do and this is what we're great at and this is how we contribute to the team. And then you mm -hmm. go around and you you have the S's and they're very quiet. The, the steadiness folks, they're quiet in the back of the room. You've got the C, the conscientiousness folks, you know, and they're like, okay, what, you know, what, how does it make the most sense for us to kind of outline this and present the information? And then you have the influencers and most commonly they're sitting around the table and they're like, okay, how do we contribute to the team? It's super loud, right? And, and it's- <laughs> Where's the we, party? They, yeah, exactly. And, and we get caught up, right? We get caught up talking about like, oh my gosh, sometimes, sometimes, you know, my coworkers or my teammates think that I am like too bubbly or my head's in the clouds, but really I'm thinking that it's like, oh, I feel that way too. So it's always, right. it's super interesting to me to, to go through that, particularly in a group of people or to facilitate it for a group of people because you kind of see these little pockets of personality right and and yeah. it's not to say that you don't have any of the other 
any of the other qualities, right? You can easily be all of those things at any given time. Mm -hmm. But I think the important thing is knowing how to flex your personality type to whatever you need it to be in that moment. That's one of the right. the biggest tools. And that's why you need to know what all four are. That's right. now a great a great leader understands that. Yep. Great leader. Uh, leadership. Leadership is probably my well, I've I've combined it. Uh, I'm a John Maxwell junkie. And I've combined the dream with leadership. So it turns into self-leadership. Everything for me is about you. I had this weird car ride coming home from Macomb one day. And I kept hearing the word you. I got the radio on and I just kept hearing the word you in my head. You, 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 you. I turn off the radio. And I'm like, okay, what does this mean? What, what does it mean? And it was like, you. You are the answer to all of your problems. You are the answer to all of your successes. It's you. You know, even in the worst case scenario, someone dies close to you that you love. Uh, you lose your the job, the career job that you wanted. It still boils back down to you. Sure, someone may have caused you to lose that job. Sure, someone may have broken your heart, you know, but it's still you. If we can convince the world, get the world to understand that your life, she ain't never going to say, I, I know a person that hate, hated her job, hated it. Great job, but it was a job. It wasn't career, great paying job, but mis miserable. She was just miserable. The last five, eight years of that job and she just retired, she was miserable and she brought it home and, and you could see it on her face. And I always wanted to say, and I never did that she's her own greatest problem. How you look at your problems, how you see them. Again, see, hear the word you. How, how you react to all of this. How If you don't figure out how to release that stress on your way home or figure out why you're having those problems, you are going to continue having those problems. The commonality of everything is you. You know, so that's where it came down to me. That's why I say I am a self-leadership speaker. So self-help, self-leadership, if I can teach you how to be the best you, you're not going to have a problem with leading other people. And you, some people, I'm not a leader. You are if you know how to lead yourself, and you'll never realize that you're leading other people. So, uh, yeah, leadership, self-help is, is, is my thing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, uh, the one thing, the only other thing I wanted to circle back to was now you said you, uh, you got a lot from a tape. Now, when you're talking to the kids, do you say, do you share that story about the tape? They're probably not going to know what that is. I, I, share, I share the story. I just leave the tape part. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I might even say CD, even though they don't right. understand that anymore. But no, I don't. Unless it's adults, I don't ever bring up the word tape. Right. There you go. There you <laughs> go. Like, How old are you, dude? <laughs> I love but, it. But uh, no, it. I, I never say tape, but it was a tape. A tape. And then I went and got the book and read the book. And so, yeah. There you go. You know. There you go. Well, I thank you so much for, for being on today. Mm -hmm. uh, the way that I typically like to wrap this up is I'll have you share just a piece of advice and, and you, you pick the audience that you want to share that with, whether it's, you know, somebody else trying to break away from a career that they're having, somebody who's dealing with, you know, some personal health issues, even as, as you've been through, obviously a big one in the past year, but I'm going to, I'm going to leave it open to you and you share whatever you feel like. We only have one life to live one 
And if you don't live most of that life happy, it's your fault. The key to your success, the key to your happiness, just like I just finished saying, boils down to you, not your spouse, not your children, not your job, not your friends, not the amount of money that you make. It's you. And you have to dig deep inside and get to know you and learn what your potholes are. I call potholes or weaknesses. And I'm a big believer that if you don't know what your weaknesses are, you're going to continue stepping in those potholes. You don't have to focus, focus on them, but you need to know where they are so you can miss them and really, really sharpen up your strengths. If you can do that, focus, know where your weaknesses are, sharpen up your strengths and get to know yourself intimately and understand who you are. You will be happier in life. Don't point the finger there. Always there. Always figure out how you can be better. That, that's, that's about the best way I can put that for anyone. It's you. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Well, Harvey, like I said, I, I appreciate you taking the time out of your out of your schedule and and uh, you know out of your out of your busy quarantine time. I'm sure I know you got video right. series and and everything that's going on now. So appreciate you taking the time and, and joining me today. Thank you, Taylor. I appreciate it. All right. Awesome. Stay tuned for the recap of this episode with my sidekick, Melissa Lutz. I think that's how we should start this one. Are you ready? Aye, aye, Taylor. <laughs> ah, I was really hoping you knew where I was going with that. Yeah, SpongeBob SquarePants. I'll always pick up on those references. Don't you really? <laughs> oh, lovely. <laughs> um, well, we were just talking about, you know, the, the time zones. And this is the latest recap, the latest time that we've ever recorded a recap, I should say. Uh, but you know what I was thinking about earlier, how strange time zones are and whether or not, like, what if everybody was just on the same one? That would be weird because then they're like 1 p.m. is like they're the middle of their night. Right. Regardless, the sun doesn't change. Right. Well, but then I was thinking about the places who just like elect not to do daylight saving time. Yeah, like Arizona. Right, exactly. Like, that's so, I can think of that. Yeah, me as well. That's the only one I know for sure. <laughs> Doesn't do it. That one place we know. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel like there's at least one more state, but I was thinking because, I mean, but it doesn't make sense for us to stick to Eastern time because, like, it's 10 o'clock here and it's probably still light. Yeah, I can see light coming through your window. It's only 8 o'clock in Colorado. Yeah, Taylor, I think you're just um, speaking out loud and figuring out the, the reasoning behind the time. <laughs> so I'm, I'm so glad that we figured this out and our listeners were along for the ride for it. I mean, I know the reasoning behind it, but it's like, if let's say, let's say that we all elected to go for central time. Mm -hmm. Now, it could possibly be nine o'clock here. You could convince me of that if I didn't already know that it was 10. Could you be convinced that it is also nine o'clock where you're at right now? Yes, I could, especially if like this is what I'm used to. But are we talking country, like across the country, across the world? Ah, uh, I guess I was thinking the continental United States. 
Okay, that makes more sense. I was thinking, but in Australia. Right. I don't think we could convince them. Or even Hawaii. I don't think we could convince them either. Yeah. All right. A motion to do away with uh, time zones in the United States. Who's on board? Comment and uh, DM us. No, just comment. Yeah, however you want to tell us. Um, I was going to bang the gavel, but, you know, I let that go. No, do it. Could you hear? I, no. <laughs> I was like, when's she gonna do it? <laughs> I wonder if you'll be able to hear that on, on my end. <laughs> uh, good times. Good times. Well, anyway, our um our guest. Oh, you know what else I did want to say? I was watching a show, the cutest show, right before this, that I was convinced to turn on simply by the fact that in the preview it said, from the creators of Queer Eye. And I thought, you got me. I'm I'm in. Uh, and I can't remember the name of it, but it's about weddings. And do you ever find yourself um, reacting in the exact same fashion that the people on TV are, or are you normal? <laughs> I don't know what normal is. I can pretty much guarantee I'm not normal. Yeah. But uh, can, can you give me an example, Taylor? Can you reenact? I can. I can. So um, right before right before we hopped on, there was a very sad um, scene. And before that, it had all been very happy. And so occasionally while I'm watching a show, I'll catch myself, you know, like smiling at the TV or like feeling whatever the people are feeling. And then when it got super sad, I felt myself go there as well. Oh, you just, what's the word I'm looking for? Kafelian. That wasn't the word I was looking for, but go on. I like to reference myself that way at times because, you know, like chameleons can change colors to fit their surroundings. I oh, This is a made-up word. <laughs> Indeed it is. Yes. Oh, yeah, that wasn't what I was going to say. Um, uh, empathetic was what I was going ah. for, but chameleon is more fun. I'll give you that. More creative. You know, now that I'm thinking of it, empathetic probably means exactly what I meant by kephelion. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, though, that, like, I don't necessarily, well, I just, I don't watch TV. It's background noise for me because I, you know, I can't sit still and stare <laughs> at a screen. Right. Do nothing. Um, what has happened, though, is, like, I've developed this this emotional mushy side of myself in my Mm. age. Yeah. And like, I find myself going from being completely content to like, actually like sobbing Mm -hmm. and something that's just like, a good morning America. I had to stop watching in the morning because I'd like put my makeup on while I was getting ready. And one time they were highlighting this, um, oh, it was the high school football coach of the year and they were presenting him with this award. And it went from me to be like, oh, that's nice, to like a solid, like, <laughs> <laughs> sobbing and like makeup running down my face. And that it happened so many times. I was like, you can't watch Good Morning America while you're getting ready anymore, Melissa. Right. Just scrap that all together. Yeah. What a, and, and speaking of high school football coaches. <laughs> What, what an easy segue you just made for me. I really loved that up for you. <laughs> it really did. Really did. Hit it out of the park. Uh, Harvey Harrington is this week's guest. And he was, at one time, a high school football coach. 
Harvey Harrington, why do you keep inviting guests on that I feel the need to say in a long drawn out British accent? I don't know that it has to do with the name of the guest or that's like a thing that you just do. <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. I should point out that um, Tim, last week's guest, not only agreed to narrate the documentary that we come up with, yes. but need a concept for the documentary <laughs> yes <laughs> that could be our next our next project or perhaps a segment <laughs> uh and tim also said that it was fine to call him timothy so long as it was within uh as, as long as you used a british accent all right timothy <laughs> well this is my command it's hard to stop once you start yeah. you know yeah those were those were two exciting follow-ups from last week's episode yeah I'm, I'm really appreciating all the follow-ups that we're getting from our guests. Um, makes me feel good about all the cute little nicknames I've created for all of them. <laughs> I'm going to keep on with it. But I think I you should. Say, I think Harvey Harrington just rolls off the tongue so nicely. I might just stick with the theme of, like, the British accent. Harvey Harrington. Now that does sound British. Right? I, yeah. think, I think it's supposed... It was meant to be pronounced that way. His parents might disagree. Who knows? He, he might disagree. <laughs> he, he might disagree. But I just mean, like when he was named. Like, right. They they said that. They decided. Right. This is very true. Also, I'd like to point out that yet again, you sent me this uh, episode to listen to without again saying his name until the very end. I didn't. I I didn't know who it was until. I thought I saw right, Harvey. Thanks for joining us. I'm almost positive I said it at the beginning. Now we won't know until I publish this episode because because <laughs> we're already doing the recap. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but also his na- his name was the file name. It didn't come through in WhatsApp. I just I just see an, a new message. I hit the oh. play button. <laughs> I thought I was doing you a favor by doing that. Ooh. Oh, yeah. No, it's not there. That's interesting. It just says Monday. <laughs> ah, and here I was, proud of myself because I got it to you so early in the week. <laughs> and I still left the, the name out. Hey, we got there. I heard it at the end and I heard his story. Yeah. And what a story. I mean, not not only the transition from you know being an athlete to obviously being a student athlete to being a professional athlete to coaching to being in the fitness industry to at one point i think he said he was selling an energy drink yeah, yeah. like a marketing come i mean the man has done it all but the transition to you know the the youth um speaking that he's doing now both motivational and leadership speaking and then in the middle of all of that to have dealt with a shoulder surgery that eventually revealed the fact that he had kidney cancer. I mean, my goodness. This man has overcome so much in life and accomplished so much. It's so inspirational. Mm-hmm. I thought the, which the kidney, um, his kidney cancer and having that kidney removed. I mean, he had that surgery in May. So we're talking just a few months ago and to be able to, you know, he's hopping on a, on a Zoom call. Oh yeah. You know, this is the first time I've kind of talked about it publicly, but you know, I was in and out of there like, yeah, this, you know, this happened to me, but whatever. Like <laughs> my mind, when he said that he was supposed to be there for four days 
recovering. He was like, nope, I just had the mindset that I was going to get out the next day and I was going to be positive about it. And I got out the next day. No, I had the same, when he was telling me, so when we're like live during the interview, he, he was like, you know, I was 24 hours in and out of there. And I was like, that seems fast, but I don't know. I don't kidney removed. Right. Like, I don't know about kidney surgery. That could be accurate. And then later in the, you know, as he's telling the story, he's like, yeah, it was supposed to be a four day deal. And I was in and out of there. And then I was like, oh, you literally were in and out of there. Yeah. Dang. Crazy. I really think he is like the walking epitome of the power of positive thinking. Yes. Like just believing that you can to the point where you're like, I'm going to do anything to make it happen. Whether I'm sleeping two hours a night, which we'll touch on that. I, <laughs> I, I'm i a strong eight-hour gal. and um, Strong eight-hour gal. Me as well. Yeah. I like, I, I can function on less sleep, but it's not pretty. And people enjoy my company less. Like, I just <laughs> know I'm someone who operates at my best when I've had a full night's sleep. So. Yeah. And when you say people enjoy your company less when you don't get that amount of sleep, I wouldn't even say it's because you're grumpy. I would say it's because you've fallen asleep in their presence from not <laughs> from not getting enough sleep. It's like I just operate in a generally confused state when I'm not fully rested. I like lose things more than I, I do on a normal basis. I mm-hmm. like forget things more than I do on a normal basis. I'm more, more scatterbrained. And all of these I'm saying more than on a normal basis because these are all qualities I possess on a full night's sleep. However, less sleep is like I'm constantly turning in circles looking for what's in my hand. Right. It is less sleep is adding uh, gasoline to the forgetful fire that is Melissa. <laughs> burning. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. That was um, the like mindset pieces. That's one of the things that I had had written down because that's, I mean, the fact that not only did he, you know, not only did he discover that he had kidney cancer and had to have a kidney removed, but then it, it was just like, oh yeah, that's just, you know, it's part of our story. I'll, I'll, you know, now I'll be able to use that when I'm speaking and, and doing these engagements and whatever. And I just, man, I, I yeah. The power of mindset is insane. Yeah. And just like to have him come into a school and like work with students who come from really hard backgrounds, like no one's going to listen to someone like me where I had like a really relatively normal upbringing and like we all go through our own hardships, but like to hear from someone who has overcome so much, like they grew up in a one parent home and like there's a lot of kids who come are super successful coming from a single parent home, but like that on top of all the other things that he overcame and the huge successes he has seen, like, I'm going to listen to that guy. If I'm like feeling down about the hand I was dealt and this guy comes in and is like, I was a professional football player. I did all these different things. And I, I came from where you are like, right. How yeah. powerful is that? Right. Totally agree. I did think it was funny that he said he he typically doesn't go lower than uh, fifth grade because he's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> Which is true. I mean, I can't even remember. I'm trying to think of like speakers or things that we did in school from below fifth grade. And honestly, the only thing that stands out to me, you probably didn't have a demonstration like this where you were from, but in, in, uh, my, far- in my farm town of 500 people, 
we and I saw this demonstration twice. Once at the 4-H fair, and do you know what that is? Yes. Okay. Once at the 4-H fair, uh, and once at school, and they would bring in this giant electric display. So it's like a transformer that you would see up on a um, power line. And they would set it up like almost exactly like as if it was a power line transformer. And then like, you know, the lines running back and forth between the, I guess that you call them telephone poles. I don't know if that's what you call the setup. Uh, anyway, but these guys, they're like power workers and they come in and they, you know, they show um, this, <laughs> this fake squirrel and they'll run the squirrel over to the transform the transformer and he gets too close and he bl- he catches on fire and the transformer blows and then it's like okay this would shut down power for a whole block and then they show you hey don't release your balloons when you're walking outside cuz your balloons can catch and shut down the whole block it's really interesting do, do you have a problem with people releasing their squirrels onto the power lines like, no what are you <laughs> I don't know if it was like, hey, look out for squirrels all the time and make sure they stay away from the transformers, or if it was like down and be like, oh, you who squirrel. (laughs) Back away from that transformer. (laughs) I feel like not to be reasoned with, so Right. I don't know why I don't know why we thought that a British accent would help them hear us better. (laughs) I think respect it. True. They probably would. They're dignified. But I no, I think the demonstration was to show how easily that transformer was uh, tricked. So like it, it in general was like you know don't play on the power lines, kids. <laughs> we had a whole demonstration about that. You know what? There's not a lot of not a lot to do where I grew up. Right. So it's it's not unusual that you might see a kid climbing a telephone pole or you know taking a dare to climb a telephone pole or something like that. So. Okay, it was useful, but that is the only, I think that is the only thing that stands out to me from, right. the, from fifth grade or lower. I won't, you, this won't surprise you in the least bit. I don't remember any demonstrations <laughs> or details of assemblies that we had in school. I remember that we had that D.A.R.E. program. Uh, um, what does that stand for? Drug ab- abuse? Drug recreation education. Drug and alcohol resistance education? That sounds better. Yeah, thank you. I don't Uh, know if that's right. Also, I want to backtrack a little bit and and thank you for not asking me to elaborate um, on the 4-H fair and accepting my yes as an answer. I think my mom brought it up in her episode, so I just assumed. I know what it is, but like I just said an a non-confident yes and then was like is she gonna buy this or is she gonna be like do you know <laughs> i do but like putting it into words it's like right. you bring your craft and it could be sewing and and raising fattened pigs and am i right am i yeah. on track yeah you show pigs you show cattle you might bake some cookies you might do some sewing i don't even know if they if they do the 4-h fair anymore if they don't that'd be super sad because you used to be able to win money like my my brother and i we would submit stuff every year he i felt i feel like submitted cooler things than me like electric things that he had come up with you know yeah, like you submit well one time <laughs> I submitted, I feel like, a lot of baked goods. Um, 
I don't remember if I did any sewing, but I will tell you that once I won best in show for a clay bear that I submitted. I got to go to the state fair and show it. I'm going to, I'm going to make a better one. (laughs) (laughs) You know what the sad part is? is I actually followed um, a template that came in the clay. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't even an original design, but I put it together well. Yes, your handiwork was award-winning. That's right, that's right. I can follow instructions like nobody's business. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay, but demonstrations. Back to Harvey. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that was a long tangent. How did we get there? Yeah, we took a left turn and then another left turn. And then, I don't know, we're in a cornfield. I'm keeping in theme with the small town talk. I appreciated that. I thought it'd be relatable for you. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, I want I want this man to be on speed dial. I feel like he's someone that when you need a piece of advice, do people? Uh, well, now let's hold on a minute. Is speed dial still a thing? Is my first question. I do not I guess that's know. My own question, if I'm honest, but um, I want to put him on my speed dial because I feel like whenever I and frustrated or down or need advice he's always gonna have that little nugget of information that's gonna like make me power through mm-hmm. and okay uh harvey if you're listening i would like your follow-up <laughs> to confirm whether or not i'm allowed to put you on speed dial and call you whenever i'm in need of a, a piece of advice i've <laughs> got an abundant an abundance. I'm probably struggling here. <laughs> I hear you have an abundance of spare time. Yes? Is that true? Well. Please confirm. <laughs> let, let us know, Harvey. <laughs> I was going to um, make a joke about how you were struggling with your words because it was 9.30 central time. but It's only 8.30 here, but it's late enough for my brain to not be functioning at full capacity. That's fair. That's fair. Also, um, the... Uh, tape thing and me just talking about speed dial Mm -hmm. I was at work the other day and we have like a cordless landline phone that I was holding in my hand and like a high school student was like what's that oh no I was like it it's a phone (laughs) (laughs) they had not seen a landline phone before and I I was like oh I I guess you wouldn't know this this is a telephone. It's like your cell phone, but with two with one function, just calling. Right. Simply to place calls. Yeah, my mind was blown. It made me feel so old. Sometimes I wish that we could go back to that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like to phones that only made phone calls. Mm-hmm. That- and did you ever have your own personal phone number? You mean like my cell phone number? No, like when you had landlines and you were kids and like, it was really cool for the, for people who would get their own personal number and their own personal phone, like their hamburger phone or the clear phone in their bedroom that like someone can call you directly without having to ask your mom for you. No. Yeah. We didn't, we didn't rock that way on the farm. If you got called, you had to do all your talking in the kitchen where the cord went to. And you'd be like, hi, Mrs. Onion. This is um sarah calling and um is is taylor home i'm wondering if she can come play 
Right. Phone etiquette. I mean, in today's world, that's just not something you do. You know what I mean? Unless you're calling somebody that you don't know, maybe for the first time, then you might say, you know, hi, this is Taylor. Is, is this, I'm looking to speak with Melissa, but mm-hmm. otherwise you just don't have that. No. You call me, I'm like, sup, what you need, girl? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Sometimes I just answer in a song. This Sometimes, is true. You know, with some people, they call me, I just say yes. <laughs> not um, often anyone in your life who answers the phone but is still finishing their conversation and they're like yeah so anyways um if you could pick up some eggs and some broccoli and um some cheddar cheese that would be and you're just like <laughs> sitting there like do you know you answered the phone and like yeah, i'm getting to you do you have anyone like that i can't think of anyone off the top of my head but i do feel like i not for a grocery order, but I might be finishing it. I might, you know, hello, and then be like, yep, yep, all right, and then get back to it. If I feel like the ring is going to run out before I'm done finishing that, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> um, the other, another note that I had in here was about the disc assessment, which when we were doing the interview, uh, and he's talking about, you know, you're you got to be a C. Your mom is probably a C. And I was like, mm, I'm going to, I'm going to throw you a big old curveball here because in no way I am the opposite of a C. I am, I am an I got a little bit of a D in there as well, but my mom, I can't remember what she is, but she's got to have a lot of I as well. You'd be an I, I think just, I'll just ask you that I've taken this, but it was like my first job out of college, which was, I don't want to say how many years ago. Um, <laughs> So I don't remember what mine was, but I'm an I. What's an I? I I would say that you are a high I uh, (laughs) influencer. So it's, so the disc is uh, dominance, influencer, conscientiousness, steadiness. I said the last two letters out of order, but you get the idea. Um, Yes, you did. Yes, I did. So the way that it's broken down is there's, not that anyone is going to be able to see my hands, but if there's this imaginary spectrum from like logic and data over to, you know, uh, people and feelings. So, so dominance and conscientiousness are on the side of logic and data and then influencer and um, steadiness are more on the people and feeling side. And then if there's another, a vertical spectrum that is more slower and more steady, um, like slower paced, um, and then at the top would be very fast paced, outspoken. So dominance and influencer are on the faster paced, outspoken side, and then uh, conscientiousness and steadiness on the slower side. They take more time, more time to process things out. Gotcha. So mm-hmm. I'm probably the same as you, like yeah. I D is that it? I'm an, yeah. So I'm an ID and you can be, there are like, you know, elements of all of them. It's not to say, it's not to like box you into one thing and say, you're only this. Um, and initially I would say in general, as a person that you're just a high I, but I feel like from, from a business standpoint and from a working standpoint, you probably had some D as well. Cool. I'm Googling, not Googling. Um, searching my inbox for results assessment <laughs> from like way back when there's, but- there's so many different, um, there's so many different kinds of it. 
and this one is one like the ones that I've taken did you find it okay I think I'm taking this like three times it's showing up in my inbox a lot of time <laughs> um I'm not going to take the time to to peruse this just yet but maybe we can follow up on it next week yeah on your uh, on your disc assessment yeah <clears throat> Um, there are a lot of different variations of it. So I would be interested to know if the one that I took, although he was saying, you know, conscientious. So some of the um, words or letters stood for the same thing. So maybe it was the same assessment, but anyway, another, anyway. another note that I have here um, was talking about, he, he mentioned something about, you know, the percentage of people who, um, either don't know what they want to do in life or they don't like do um, what they're meant to do in life. Do you think that there is a way to truly accurately measure that? Like what you're meant to do in life? Yeah, and whether or not you think you're doing it. No. Honestly, I feel like we can be meant to do so many different things and like be successful at so many different things. It's a matter of like pushing ourselves to try those things and feeling really accomplished in doing those. Like right now I'm managing a food hall. I feel happy doing what I'm doing and excited about it. And I feel accomplished in getting where I am, but like, is it what I'm, I'm meant to do? I right. don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm meant to do, but I'm happy in what I'm doing. And I feel like I'm pushing myself. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's what makes people feel like they've found their calling is like, do you feel like you're getting out of your comfort zone and um, like pushing yourself to do better and continue to grow? And are you helping others in some way? Right. I was listening to uh, we're both doing something completely different. And at that point in our life, we're like, this is what I feel called to do in this chapter. Right. You know? Yeah. I think it's all chapters. That's true. It probably just changed throughout life. Um, I, that question about measurement was sparked by uh, another podcast that I was listening to earlier today, which was with Angela Duckworth. I think it was Angela. Um, she studies grit. And so she was talking about, you know, a lot of people will say things like, well, you can't really measure that, you know, you, there's, there's just things that in the world that you can't, you can't really measure happiness or you can't really measure success because it's all relative. And she said, well, you know, you can actually me measure anything that you want, but there's just no way of measuring it perfectly because that stuff is all, you know, the, the eye of the beholder of to, to say how, you know, what is happiness or what is success? So I thought that was a, I thought that was interesting. Yeah. I mean, we can measure, but everyone's measuring strategies and styles may look different. And for someone, I feel like it's all about your life experiences, right? Like it's your frame of reference on where you've been and what you know. So like, I don't know. I feel like Harvey's probably someone who has come from a really, you know, hard upbringing and has seen mm -hmm. this huge success. So for him, it's like happiness off the charts, knowing the hardships he's been through and seeing where he's come. Right. It's all relative. 
yeah our own experiences and our own mindset yeah we we have really covered the gamut of topics in this recap i mean we've talked squirrels and transformers <laughs> we've talked the power of positive mindset <laughs> we're we're doing it all over the place we sure are we sure are mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um before we actually sign off, I was listening to, um, what was I looking at earlier? It was either Snapchats or clips of a previous episode where, I don't, which I don't think I released this part of it because however, it must've been an early episode because whatever way we were going to sign off, you, we did it. And then you said, wait, don't sign off that way. Don't hit stop record. And I said, well, do you have a better idea? And then you said, skiddly do. <laughs> And that was your plan for the, for the sign off. I stand by that. This is okay. Let's go back to your voicemail from the, the last episode. Um, what a great way to go out is like, and have a great day. <laughs> Taylor sends people off on her voicemail. You want to have a great day. I think if someone was like, thanks for joining us. Skiddly do. <laughs> I would probably be like, that was weird and funny. And I'm, um, I'm going to go skip off. It makes me want to skip, you know? I could see that. I could see that. I don't want people to skip away from our, uh, I say our podcast, your podcast and I sidekick. It's definitely our podcast. It's definitely like an 80, 20, 90, 10. (laughs) But I'll take some ownership. Thanks, Tay. Yeah. And with that said, I think we should do the alternative ending this week and let's just see what people think. Okay. Thanks for stopping by. <laughs> Why? Well, I didn't know how to lead into the skittily do. You, you literally. You, I mean, you literally could have said that's the way the onion peels, and then skittily do. Oh, I thought we were replacing. That's the way the onion. Peels. Oh, all together. I was thinking just in addition. But you can. I think that was clear. <laughs> Are we ever? <laughs> Sometimes. Um. I suppose we surprise me true all right well then well then um what i'll do is i typically say thanks for joining us after you sign us off so why don't i say you know thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week skiddly do <laughs> <laughs> i think this is great 